This is Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois. The podcast that helps you destroy self-limiting beliefs, unchain your potential, and create the meaningful life you were made for. And now here's your host, Navy SEAL founder of Impact Actual and the Impact Unchained course, Rob Dubois. If you've been following Beyond Your Limits for any time, you understand that I'm a half spook, half seal, so a nerd thug. 10 years NSA, 10 years in the SEAL teams, and of course, 15 years or so since uh, doing whatever it is I do. But as such a hybrid, a guy who has a very strange, in fact, I had a, had a very strange uh, past. I had to get a waiver to go to the SEAL teams because of my cryptologic background with NSA. And so it's led to some really interesting opportunities, getting into red teaming, becoming a terrorist. It's having a, effectively a, a one-man person, a one person with a committee in his head of terrorists and tactical operations and intelligence collection and all the things that were that made up my past. And so some some years passed after I left the Navy and uh, back in 06, and I met up with a fellow and got involved with an organization that uh, that, that focuses on national security. The names change over the years, but you know, as I've talked about in recent years with politics, uh, when I, whenever I rarely venture into that area, we need to be a better people. We as human beings, we as Americans need to be more open-minded, more according to our ideals, the, the idea of diversity, the idea of honoring dissent, discussing with respect, debating things effectively. And that's where it's important to bring in different voices and different perspectives. So we'll be talking about an organization, uh, a series of events that were formerly called Suits and Spooks. And that's why I mentioned my spook background as a Soviet, then Russian SME. Eric, speaking of oddballs, uh, Eric Bond, co-host for Beyond Your Limits, welcome to the show. What's up, gentlemen? Glad to be here. Been a little while. We're uh, looking forward to, yeah, it's, it's, it has been, I, I didn't mention this up front, but I've actually, uh, I'm coming out of COVID now. So it gets us all at some point. And I had my turn in the barrel and didn't care for it. One star would not recommend. But if you're, you know, interested in having a, a proper sickness, uh, jump in on the COVID train. And now, so I, I will, I'll try not to hack on the, comp- on the microphone and uh, look forward to having a really interesting conversation about a very important subject, which is about getting America safer and by by extension the world. As I mentioned, the series uh, of conferences that I, I initially participated in was called Suits and Spooks, and today we're going to learn about the new incarnation of that, and more excitingly, something that's actually happening very, very soon as of our drop date for this episode, just a week or two away. But without further ado, I want to bring in my friend and guest, Jeff Carr. Welcome to Beyond Your Limits. Thanks. Thanks, Rob. That was... Uh... Well, first of all, thanks for inviting me, but also it's always great just to re-engage with you after reading. You know, I, I think we met when I read your book. Yeah, that would have been 2012 or so. And yeah, and invited you to, 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 to speak. And I think we've sort of been engaging off and on uh, ever since. So it's, I'm delighted to be here. It's been fun for me to watch your evolution. And the evolution of, like I mentioned, the names change, but the fundamental national security concepts and bringing voices to the table remain the same. That's that. That's fundamentally how we do life as effective human beings, isn't it? Trying to get voices to the table and, and have better conversations so that we can 
have, uh, if you will, more common solutions, which is better than either extreme is trying so desperately to do right now in the U.S. Let's just dominate the other side. If we destroy them, I hear that from from the far right and the far left. We say we hear people saying, "Yeah, those liberals should just all be eliminated, right?" Or, or all all people on the right, any conservative is uh, is unreasonable and and trying to uh, be a fascist. Well, that's. We can't just, we can't destroy either side because you have new sides as soon as you do. If we have effectively eliminated all liberals or all conservatives, we'd have a new set of liberals and conservatives because it's a division based on a spectrum. Well, I, I think maybe we have an advantage in terms of our awareness of this issue because in the intelligence business, you're always on the lookout for you know for bias. So and you're and and if you're doing it right, you're always a little bit suspect of what you're seeing or reading, and want to vet the information. And so, uh, but uh, but I think I think maybe partly due to our educational system not really teaching critical thinking, you know, as a skill or logical fallacies. I mean, there's so many. There's like there's probably over sixty. Uh, a lot. You can look at the chart and, and realize that you're probably always operating under one of these logical fallacies, right? So, in order to help determine what's true or what's you know objectively provable, you, you have to invite alternative views. Uh, that's the only way that that you'll be able to to discover what's hiding behind your particular set of biases. So. Um, so that's how Suits and Spooks got started, actually. The, the process of investigating an intelligence failure, right, where you have a, they, you set up a, and this is, by this I mean a, a, one of the three-letter agencies in the federal government. I don't know if other countries do it as, you know, the way that we do it, but if there is a major intelligence failure, then typically there's a, Congress sets up a commission because the intelligence agencies report to uh, uh, Congress and um, the commission, you know, looks into it and then they issue a set of recommendations. So, and in order to do that, of course, you have to, you know, invite a lot of witnesses. So I thought it might be fun to do a, an event that's sort of based on that model. So you you have a, it's not, not addressing a failure so much as a challenge, right? A challenging problem. And at the time, in 2011, when I first started this, the, the problem was, how social media will alter the game when it comes to a global a conflict. And, and we, in fact, that was held uh, in Palo Alto at the old Facebook loft that uh, Palantir had. Palantir was, was, I think, our first corporate sponsor. Um, and, we, and I've been doing it ever since, although we, we did, as you mentioned, Rob, we did change the name. So the, the, I think ultimately... Ultimately, I, I spoke with a few folks, and we felt like, as much as the word "spook" is used in context, you know, and it's never really been an issue. Uh, everybody knows it's, you know, it's an abbreviation for somebody that operates undercover or is associated with uh, an intelligence operation. It's it is possible that it that somebody could take offense to it, and we would not. We would really, I personally would hate to see somebody feel like you know that we were offending or 
used in a term that they consider offensive um, when it's so easy just to come up with a, a, a different name. You know, it doesn't have to be a, a big deal. So right. that's what we did. We went with, we went with another intelligence uh, phrase, you know, a safe house um, that is also apropos, you know, for the event. I always uh, uh, invite, because we always invite people with different opinions, we want it to be a safe place to discuss these different ideas and not have it erupt into uh, violence, you know, which, is, which you see so often today, uh, as you pointed out. Uh, so that's, our, that's, that's the, 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 the fundamental policy of, of, uh, of what used to be Suits and Spooks and is now Safe House Global, which is be a venue where people can have uh, different opinions about hard issues and hopefully by the end of the sessions you know have new insight and maybe even lead to some solutions that actually is something i've wrestled with myself because i think that anybody who has uh, any consideration for the uh, experience of others the life experience of others that you know how do i affect other people that's it makes me more effective you know one of our favorite uh, impact rules is don't be a dick well, it's very fundamentally effective to not be a dick because being a dick puts uh, obstacles in my own way. Uh, on those occasions, and I'm you know nobody's immune. Nobody has a perfect day every day. Sometimes I uh, I'm reactive. Sometimes I'm overtired, and sometimes I'll be that guy. If you say, "Hey, good morning, Rob," I'll say, "What's good about it?" You know, we all go there sometimes but being the person that says what's good about it or, or is being a dick to others is literally creating an obstacle to his own experience with that other person with that environment with that his way of thinking you know we we think like we like we act so i'm mindful of the terms you know i i uh, very rarely anymore use the term uh, seal spook or spook seal because exactly like you said we don't want to be be a dick to people unconsciously and tangentially offending people that's where i came up with the nerd thug thing <laughs> just a, you know a pencil pocket uh, knuckle dragger <laughs> i like that so I don't want uh, – we're going to come back to it at the end of the show, but I want to make sure we get the, uh, the, the, the immediacy of – because as I said, there's an event coming up very, very soon from this publication date when we get this episode out on the air. So I want to make sure people are aware what's coming up with virtually uh, only, I think now, right? Invitation only for in person, but virtually what's, a, what's coming up immediately as we'll touch on at the end of the show? Right. So, uh, well, so safehouse.global – is the uh, the website um, for this event for any event that we do safehouse.global and this particular event is uh, looks at this public-private partnership that has sprung up to support Ukraine during the Russian invasion and we believe this is uh, fundamentally changing the nature of warfare and and war fighting you know Ukraine could not it well it, it had been run over by now, had it not had access to uh, assistance from the U.S. and from uh, the U.K. and other EU countries and other and and other NATO countries, I mean, it was most of the Western world has sort of come together and supported Ukraine in its in its defensive actions against uh, Russia. It's never I've never seen it before. I can't find. A parallel to it in 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 um, history, 
and I'm actually uh, uh, even even more uh, excited by the fact that I've been working with the GUR, which is Ukraine's main directorate of intelligence for the Ministry of Defense. It's basically their version of what we would call the Defense Intelligence Agency here uh, in the U.S. Uh, I've been uh, working with their cyber, with their offensive cyber team to help analyze some of the data that they take from Russian targets like Gazprom and the Joint Institute for Nuclear Research and many, many others to, tr to try to find things that are usable or actionable um, for them and also to publicize, you know, what they've been doing and, and uh, get the word out because it sort of acts, we always felt like this might act as a deterrent. If the world knows and if Russia knows that Ukraine has been successful in getting inside uh, some of their most valuable assets, then it's sort of an unspoken threat that they could do damage while they're in there. And uh, uh, should Russia cross any significant red lines, you know. So Gazprom, as an example, this is in my experience of researching um, cyber security incidents and especially during wartime, this is the first time that a, a, a hackers have been successful in causing an explosion and a fire in a pipeline. And it, this was done against Gazprom at least three times and probably more while they were testing, you know, the software. And that's pretty significant because once you, once you, you can do something three times in a row at three different locations, that suggests that you could, if you wanted to, do that across all of Gazprom's pipelines and, and consistently repeat, uh, effectively killing their production. Of course, that has not happened. The, and and I, I believe that hasn't happened because Russia has not uh, engaged in chemical weapons or biological weapons or dirty bombs or, you know, things that would, that Ukraine might consider to be unforgivable. And, and that they would then take the gloves off. So, so this was all part of, to me, this, was, this all made a great uh, event or a, a great focus for an event, uh, which I called multimodal warfare. So multimodal warfare, meaning how many of these different new components are being incorporated as part of, of Ukraine's warfighting strategy. And how many of them are coming from both, not only other governments, but, but public and private companies, you know, like, um, for example, Starlink. When the war, when Russia first crossed Ukraine's border on February 24th, the uh, satellite provider at the time, Viasat, went down. And... And that was due to a cyber attack, a Russian cyber attack against Viasat. And uh, Starlink uh, stepped in almost immediately and started shipping these portable units over to Ukraine. I, there are several thousand, I think, that they that that they did right within 24 hours. Uh, and it was a lifesaver. I can tell you, the guys that I work with were just thrilled. I mean, not only. Not only was it fast, but the bandwidth was even greater than what they had before, you know. So, 
so it, it made a big difference. And of course, there are you know, many smaller companies that are assisting that nobody even knows about. I mean, Starlink got a lot of press, and deservedly so, but, but um, also, by the way, the US government paid for those satellites. So it wasn't like they donated thousands of satellites for free. Somebody did pay that check or write that check to pay, uh, and it was the US government. But, but there are lots and lots of companies that are assisting Ukraine in one way or another. So that's what we're, you know, that's what we, we're planning to discuss on uh, September 20th. It'll be held in the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, information, like I said, is, is on the site. And it is, as you mentioned, Rob, it is by invitation only because a lot of the material, at least the in-person, because there's a lot of sensitivity around some of the material, uh, along with some of the guests. But there is an opportunity to attend virtually. And I think the people that do will really walk away with, an, with some uh, excellent new insights. I'm really looking forward to being there myself in person. I'm very grateful for the invitation again. And you reminded me of our earliest conversations about this. As you said, Powerful Peace came out in 2012. You began doing SNS back in 2011. And it was during my own talk, one of the conversations that we had, uh, one of the times I spoke, that I've been addressing this virtual, physical crossover the multimodal concepts like you're talking about for a long time, because as a red teamer, or a tactical guy, I, I've always seen, it's easy for us to break into things and destroy stuff with hammers. And in, in the seal's hands, everything is a hammer. So a, a wrench is a, is a seal hammer, uh, a gun is a seal hammer. And so is a, a piece of uh, concrete. But when we were talking about the Jeep back in the day, almost a decade ago, the Jeep that was hacked because of computers being put inside the system. And uh, it, was a, it was a blue hat thing. Guys were trying to break their own toy. Uh, and they successfully hacked into a Cherokee that was newly outfitted with computer uh, dr controls and drove it off the road. It was at super slow speed. But the guy that was at the wheel who said he felt incredibly it was terrifying to realize he was in a vehicle moving at 10 miles per hour, but he had no control. The steering was out of his control. The acceleration and braking were out of his control. And they drove it off the road into a ditch and said, okay, that happened. You know, this has happened now. This has been done. I spoke uh, in 2014 at InfoSec World 2014 at Disney World on that. My topic was, it was there's only one elephant. Because all the things, that ancient Hindu or Indian concept about one elephant and the, the, the blind wise men think that they're touching a, a nose. The trunk is like, an elephant's like a python because they touch the trunk. An elephant's like a spear because they touch a tusk. Or they grab a tail and an elephant's like a, a, a vine. But the fact is, it's only one elephant. And if, if you can get guys inside of Gazprom and have them over-pressurizing, overheating, disconnecting things, opening valves that shouldn't be open inside of a control room and cause explosions, you can touch anything. I mean, this, this is, this is, uh, we're looking at the, the Neanderthal generation of breaking stuff virtually, but why couldn't that happen in the Kremlin or the white house? Ultimately, those same things are possible as we make this more effective. And that's why it's so important what you're bringing to the table to have that discussion about, all the things that can be broken and helped and supported through multimodal. And the, the discouraging part of this, it's, it's discouraging, I think, initially. And then maybe, maybe it'll serve to 
bring about some needed changes. But right now, this the and for the past, what how long or long software has been around? I think maybe now it's probably fifty or sixty years. Uh, software is by by nature uh, flawed, so there is no you know completely secure way of writing code, and and there has never been. So the system that we have in place for determining what is secure and, and what is not secure is it's really it's really never secure. It's only what degree of insecure are you willing to accept? <laughs> so, and just before our conversation, I was reading about, and this was very hard, by the way, very hard to do because of the information, nobody wants this information to be aggregated. But I was reading about computer-related deaths and injuries associated with robotic surgery. So, and this, so this focused on just very that very narrow, you know, area, and the majority of these were caused by uh, programming errors or you know software flaws. A very very tiny percent was, was caused by human error. It resulted, I think, in I think about 140 deaths and about 1,100 injuries over the course of of a, I think it was a 10 year period uh, that this was studied. Right, and so this was only, and it was only having to do with robotic surgeries. So, so then I thought, well, this is interesting. I wonder if anybody has, you know, what else is out there, right? Like, what about just medi- just healthcare in general? And that's where it got really interesting because <laughs> because the companies that do this, they all they all rushed into this space during the Obama administration when uh, there was a big push to to. To bring healthcare records online, and and it was done so rapidly because of the, of the size of the check that the federal government was waiving, that they, these were terribly written programs, and and the the companies are spending who knows how much money to keep these complaints quiet, to settle out of court, to 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 ensure that there are NDA paragraphs in their sales agreements. It's just incredible. So uh, by incredible, I mean incredibly horrible. And so we're just, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to include this data in the next edition of my book, uh, Inside Cyber Warfare, that I'm, that I'm writing now. But, I, uh, uh, but this all started, this all started with a, a, a book written by a Norwegian professor called The Huawei Snowden Question. And that was research that he put together in order to see if there was an answer to the problem that Huawei faced faces even now with trust. So if you have a, a, a product, a software product of any type that's made in a country that is considered, you know, untrustworthy, <laughs> To say to, to put it mildly, like China, for example, or Russia, uh, at least as far as the West is concerned, how do you prove that the software is safe? Because because the U.S. government prohibited Huawei for prohibited labs, like for example, federally funded laboratories, from buying Huawei servers uh, a number of years ago. 
because of the possibility of, uh, of, of espionage being conducted you know, remotely by China. And so Huawei said, hey, well, you know, we'll give you the source code. We'll show you how the code works. We'll even, at our expense, set up a lab so that you can test the code, try to find a back door, do whatever you like, right? It's where it's completely open. We have nothing to hide. We're not doing this, what you're accusing us of doing. In fact, I had uh, Andy Purdy as a speaker. I don't know. I think you might have been there. It was in 2020. I was there, yes. Andy Purdy that was, was, fascinating. was Huawei's, Huawei USA's chief security officer. I had him there specifically to talk about this. And it was really frustrating uh, for them. And Andy is a, you know, he's a U.S. citizen. He's worked at the U.S. government for a number of years. He's highly respected. Uh, until, of course, he went to work for Huawei. And then all of a sudden his career mm-hmm. was all, you know, all of a sudden was, was questionable, which I... He limited his future options. He did. But uh, that doesn't really change the man. You know, he's always been mm-hmm. ethical. Right. In my opinion, he's always been ethical, which is, I think, an important factor. So, and that's why I started looking into it. I thought, well, you know, hey, if Huawei's legit, what's, what's the problem now? They're saying, check us out, test us, try to find a back door, you know, do whatever you want. We'll, we're, we have nothing to hide. Well, I thought, that's cool. What, how could you possibly have a problem? And then I read the Huawei Snowden question. And what the author was able to prove was that software is inherently untrustworthy. That there is no way to guarantee the security of, of a piece of software because for all of these different reasons. The book is only 120 pages long, but he, it's got 12 chapters. Every chapter is a different reason, whether it's from the hardware that's used or if you go down to the microchip level, right? Why that is not trustworthy. Or the software compiler, you know, why that's impossible to make secure, or the code itself, or and it was—it's just really an incredible piece of work. I, in fact, I sent a copy over to Andy Purdy just to get his response, right? And that's so that's where we're at when it comes to understanding how secure or insecure are we? We aren't—we are not secure. But that's the nature of—that's what happened. That's the price we paid when we adopted the internet and we adopted moving everything to the cloud, right? The the benefits are many. Downside, you're more vulnerable now than ever before. Hey, Jeff, how does that play in to something I read very recently is that, you know, Chinese have purchased land very close to numerous military installations throughout the United States on the Dakotas, I believe, you know, out in, uh, I want to say maybe Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, that area. And there's obviously concern that they're doing nefarious things, you know, in that, in that area. How does some of that stuff play into, you know, what you're, what you're talking about or if at all? I, I I have not read about that. So I I can't really, um, you know, I can't really speak to what I've read, but I can just, off the top of my head, I think the biggest concern about China is that it's set. China has been extremely successful in terms of of accelerating its growth, its economic growth since around 2000, and they they've done it 
partly through this this thing that they've created, where they there it's an authoritarian an authoritarian government, yet they have this sort of modified capitalist system, economic system, and so they're able to set these five year objectives for different parts of their economy and. And if, if we here in the U.S. were to try that, it would have to be voluntary. But in China, it, it's, it is not voluntary. In China, you have to answer at the end of five years for why or why not you were, you were not able to meet your objectives. And then that's just, you know, re, now recommitted for the next five-year period until it is met. And that sort of, that sort of, highly focused, highly disciplined approach has has really propelled the country into what the West is very worried about right now as potentially becoming the next world superpower. And even worse, that the Chinese currency might become the dominant currency, replacing the US dollar. Now that's that is has been expressed pretty um, you know pretty eloquently and with a great deal of research by Ray, Ray Dalio, who's the founder and chairman of Bridgewater, uh, which I think is one of the world's largest funds, investment funds. Um, and uh, he's got an entire book about it. Uh, so that, with that in mind, you know, China buying up property, China making investments, whatever it might be, is just worrisome because of the potential you know, for control. Um, that they could exert on you with U.S. assets. You know, we're we are. I think the U.S. is an experiment, just like China is. And right now, our experiment is not producing really the results on an equivalent basis that China is seeing. So, I think it's right to be concerned. This is the end of episode one of our two-parter with Jeff Carr of safehouse.global. Make sure you check in next week to get part two. Thanks for joining us on Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois, the podcast that helps you destroy self-limiting beliefs, unchain your potential, and create the meaningful life you were made for. For more information about Impact Actual and the Impact Unchained course, visit impactactual.com. And be sure to subscribe on Apple iTunes or wherever you like to listen so you'll never miss a show. We'll see you next time on Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois.